Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, magicandalchemy.com is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kate Ballou, and my co-host, Kristen Lizenby. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kristen Lizenby. And I'm Kate Ballou. So it's finally time for us to talk about the moon. Long overdue, but all timing is divine timing. So I'm super happy to be here today for a chat about something that is truly divine. I'm curious. When someone mentions the moon, what is the first thing that comes to mind? You know, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is the tides, actually. I think it's completely magic how the moon works with the oceans. Water is such a healing and mysterious place, much like the moon and the legends about the moon. What about you? I also think of the tides, especially now being on an island. Mm. But I also think about gardening and harvest season in particular. During summer and early fall, the sun doesn't set here until about 10 p.m. or so. And so it's easy to just keep going and going in the garden until you lose light. And whenever you have that sunset, full moon juxtaposition while you have your hands in the earth, it feels really special. Yes, and the moon has been the subject of poems, art, stories, folk tales, and a source of inspiration and dreams for as long as people have been creating. Yes, and there is so much to explore within the lunar realm, so this episode is really only going to scratch the surface. But it's our intention that after today, anyone listening to this episode will have a greater understanding of the role that the moon can play in our life if only we are willing to explore the phases with an open heart and open mind. Working with the moon means working with the natural flow and phases of the universe, so I'm so excited to see where we go today. I checked the calendar, and it looks like when this episode airs, we will be on the cusp of a full moon in Virgo. And I can't think of a better way to start an episode that explores lunar energies than by sharing a couple of cards from my moon deck that corresponds to this day. I know that there are several moon decks out there, but I'm using Tamed Wild's Wild Moon Deck, which was written by Jillian Christina. So card 12 is the gibbous moon and card 13 is waxing gibbous. And I wanted to sort of combine these two cards because they're both relevant to the phase. The message for card 12, the gibbous moon, is inspired connection. And card 13 is illuminated connection. So easy to see why they would go so well together. Mm -hmm. The cards read, bigger picture, detachment. We see the forest and come to see the placement for each tree. We see divinity in each branch, miracles in each leaf. We feel an overwhelming connection to the invisible web that connects us all. And through this illuminated space, we detach with love. 
This is considered the time of the hair moon. In India, it is believed that Chandra, the god of the moon, carries with him a hair. The cards go on to explain that rabbits can serve as guides through the shadow worlds. We can use the rabbit's energy to help shine a light on what remains in the dark. With practice, we can harness the proximity of the full moon to uncover the ties that bind us, the chains that create stagnation and hold us back from our divine greatness. The cards suggest working with lemon balm during this phase if we're feeling overstimulated and want to nourish our heart. Also pomegranate to honor the connection and union between all things. Because, as we know, as above, so below. Lemon balm is so soothing. I love those suggestions. Yes. For me, and likely others, the moon represents many things. It's a faithful guide, a beacon, and a symbol of our evolution. But more than anything, the moon is a reflection of my relationship to my body and the creative process that fuels what I believe to be my purpose in this lifetime. Although I refer to the moon as a feminine entity, with the sun as her solar companion and polar opposite, regardless of gender, I think we can all agree that as humans, we experience periods of growth, recession, stagnancy, rest, and regeneration. If we can learn to observe our bodies and thoughts the same way we observe the moon, it can open a lot of doorways that maybe we never knew existed. And if we choose to incorporate some of that knowledge into our spiritual practice, then that only opens more doors, maybe a few windows, and the next thing you know, you're a moon worshiper, just like the rest of us. (laughs) But maybe I should back up a bit and break it down before I go any deeper. Kate, I know that you just got in the moon book by Sarah Faith Godestiner, so feel free to interrupt me with some wisdom as you see fit. You know, I actually have yet to read it. My list of books is getting really out of hand, as I know yours is too. Yes. But I do use her moon planner and before that her many moons workbooks. I write in the planner daily to track my cycles, mood, energy level, creativity, and whatever else is coming up for me. Um, For this upcoming full moon, Sarah has a piece in the planner from Natalie Miles. So Natalie writes about the intuitive body for this full moon. You are the body. You are the channel. You are the vessel. This lunar moment is an opportunity for you to return to your whole intuitive body to give yourself a moment to pause and reflect on how your energetic, intuitive body is trying to communicate with you. You are receiving its signs, messages, feelings, and guidance as it flows through you every single day. And I just loved how this related to the cards that you pulled as well. I thought that they were nice mirrors for each other. Um, Tracking my own cycles along with the moon has been a really beautiful way for me to personally embody the moon. It's taught me to love and better understand myself in all of my phases, and I really wish this is something I would have known when I was younger, much like having a moon in Aries. Yes. (laughs) Understanding how these phases act in your own life is something so hugely personal, so just because Kristen and I have one experience, you may have a totally different one, and I think that that's something so beautiful about moon work. We need to have Riss visit us again, um, but I know that the moon in your astrology chart is really indicative of how you express, manage, and relate to the emotional state, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Taurus moon here, which I can only think is a lot more grounding than your Aries moon. (laughs) But like you said, I also track my cycle and energy levels alongside the lunar phases, and it's definitely something I wish I would have started ages ago. It's so insightful. I know that Riss also just wrote a lunar workbook um, for tracking these sorts of things that's now available on Tamed Wild. So for people that are looking to do this kind of work or are new to it, that would be a really beautiful place to start. Yeah, check it out. Normally, I'm super focused and high energy at the full moon, so when I come up to a full moon like the one in Leo from January and I feel disconnected and tired, it's a good reminder to check in with myself and see if I can shine light on why I'm feeling out of sync or what's calling for my attention. But let's start with the new moon sometimes called the dark moon, but the new moon is when the first sliver of light appears after the complete shadow of the dark moon. The new moon, like its name suggests, is all about new beginnings. This is when we make plans in our journals, set our goals for the month, we might give offerings to Persephone, the queen of resurrection. The new moon also symbolizes spring and the maiden aspect, or the fleeting moments when humans are no longer children, but not quite adults either. I also think of the new moon as a time for stillness. This is a moment for pause, for consideration. I think of Hecate at the crossroads looking all the ways through the night. And with this perspective, how are we able to view our patterns? What can we shift when they're brought to the surface of the subconscious? I'm usually a lot more introspective during the new moon, especially during the winter months. I'm the same. I notice that I'm a lot quieter during the new moon, but my mind is just as active. As the moon waxes to crescent, we renew our commitment to the seeds we planted a few days earlier. We become more active, taking the first physical steps toward making these goals a reality. We may not feel it quite yet, but there's an expansive energy in the air. A fun fact about the crescent moon is that it's known as the sickle moon, and that crescent shape is the alchemical symbol for silver, the metal associated with the moon. As the moon continues waxing, we are encouraged to do rituals related to increase, whether that be increasing abundance, generating awareness, or manifesting something like a dream job or creative project that we're working on. When we reach the first quarter moon, which looks like a half moon, we are midway through the waxing period. We likely feel more confident, our energy is pretty strong, it's a good time to go back to the goals we set last week and just review them. Maybe make a couple of edits if necessary and perform a grounding ritual, even if that's just walking barefoot outdoors and getting your feet dirty. Walking barefoot is one of my favorite ways to replenish my energy reserves and just refocus. Me too. And for this time period, like I mentioned earlier, I just can't help but think of water. Like as a wave builds or the tide rises, energy builds as well. That's such a great way to put it, and also a really good visual. So, the moon is still waxing. It's waxing quarter for a few days until we reach the gibbous moon. This is when, myself personally, I start to feel the full moon. It's like a pulsing sensation that's impossible to ignore. It's energizing, playful, but 
also pretty intense depending on whatever we're working through in the moment. I also start to notice that I'm sleeping less, yet dreaming more. I think my animals have a similar experience because as the moon gets closer to full, I'll hear my goats and sheep playing and running around the pasture pretty much all night. Mm -hmm. And it would be easy to say, oh, you know, it's just because there's more light so they can see. But I don't know. I think animals are way more in tune with the moon's energy than most humans. I totally agree. And I think that Banjo is the same way. My dog, for those that don't know. Um, And though we can't see the moon amongst the skyscrapers all of the time, we definitely know that it's there. I also can't help but think about werewolves in accordance with the full moon, and I know that you've written about them for magic and alchemy, so I wanted to read a little bit from your article if you don't mind. Of course. So I loved this part. Like witches... Religious leaders and fearful villagers claimed that werewolves were influenced by and garnered power from the lunar phases. This allegation was part of Christian leaders' effort to get rid of pagan practices, many of which involved honoring the moon, the stars, and Mother Earth's rhythmic nature. To demonize Earth-based spirituality, church leaders claimed that nighttime hours, especially those around a full moon, were dangerous. According to people who witnessed some of these nighttime rituals, Satan would appear after nightfall and offer riches and power in exchange for doing his deeds. For the Christian church, this confirmed that if a person were outside during a full moon, it was a clear sign that they were a werewolf, a witch, or another unholy being working alongside the devil. Aside from just this association of shape-shifting, I also think about transformation. Like, to me, this time is such a powerful period of transformation. Yes, and I never knew that witches and werewolves had so much in common until I was doing research for that article Mm. and discovered that, similar to the witch hunts that happened in the old world, they also had werewolf trials. Mm -hmm. So now it's the full moon, We made it. It's time for some full moon rituals, maybe a moon bath. We charge our crystals and sigils beneath the moonlight. But there's also this underlying tension during the full moon. I always think of the word lunacy, which of course has a negative connotation and was meant to demonize anyone who dared worship the moon. And while I of course do not agree with that sentiment, there is something so powerful dare I say, fierce about this phase. Mm -hmm. While the new moon and crescent moon symbolize the maiden, the full moon represents the mother. And not just the mother in the traditional sense, but any person who is on the verge of bringing something new into the world. I liken this phase to the realization of creative animus. While I think water rituals and a full moon go so well together, the full moon also feels like a great time to practice some candle magic as well. Maybe that means taking your intentions from two weeks prior and burning them, asking the goddess to send your desires skyward where they can mingle with the cosmos before coming into fruition. So mode it be, or something better, right? Exactly. On the full moon pre-pandemic, I used to invite friends over to my apartment for different rituals and celebrations, and we would all wear either white or black, depending. We would start a fire in the cauldron I have in the backyard and take turns casting the circle for the evening, reading passages to each other, or bringing a ritual to share. 
sometimes we would all read something out loud and then offer it to the fire. So we would co-craft an altar somewhere in my apartment, and then once the ritual was over, we would celebrate and have a glass of wine or two. And it was so magical. We'd play music and light tea lights everywhere, and once a couple of neighbors looked over at us and they were like, hey, are you guys witches? And we all just laughed. And so (laughs) that's really what I think of when I think of the full moon. I mean, they were right. And probably a bit curious about what magic they were missing out on. So much. (laughs) (laughs) And now, so similar to what you just described, after all that growth and full moon excitement, the moon has reached her peak, so now she begins to wane. And that's not a bad thing. It's like after a long night out with some friends that you haven't seen in forever, maybe you have one too many drinks and you likely need to sleep in the next day and just take a breather. Mm -hmm. This is a transitionary period where we can start rewarding our intentions to fit the energies of the waning period. So while we shouldn't abandon our intentions from the new moon, we might rework them to fit the themes of the waning moon. During the waning moon, rituals related to banishing, minimizing, healing, and purification are encouraged. As the moon wanes to gibbous and nears third quarter, which also looks like a half moon, just a mirrored image of first quarter, we might start drawing inward. It's a good time to check in with our energy levels, ask our body what it needs, how we can honor it as the light recedes. It's a powerful time to once again return to our intentions and see what has come into fruition and what hasn't, and maybe just ask yourself why. Do you want to carry those same intentions into the next moon cycle, or consider something entirely different? As we move from third quarter to waning crescent, my wild moon deck tells me it's a good time to metaphorically, but also literally if you're a gardener, prune your garden. Don't harvest anything, just focus on clearing the weeds, make room for what's to come. This is right about the time that I normally would start to feel really tired. My energy, like the moon, is waning. I feel like I'm looking for nourishment in everything. I typically turn to books, meditation, yoga, breathwork, just anything that keeps my vibration in check. Yeah, I'm the same way. I usually like to kind of intentionally give myself permission to move more slowly. So when I can, I schedule less, less calls, less creative projects. I cut back my daily to-dos, and I don't plan to launch anything into the world. I like to think these feelings are little nudges from the moon, giving us permission to rest if we're prone to burnout. And so this brings us to the last few days of the moon's 28-day cycle. This is when there's just a sliver of moonlight left, and the moon is considered void, of course. I am no expert in this, and I think it depends on a few other astrological factors, but there is the mindset that when the moon is void, of course, that we should just rest. No spell work, no moon rituals, just surrender. I think it's really telling because I've heard people say that this is the time that they feel lost even more so than during a dark moon. And I can't help but think that's because we as a society are so focused on movement and action and productivity that when we are told to stop, 
many of us, myself included, aren't quite sure what to do. So during this time, it can be helpful to call on dark goddesses like Lilith or Hecate or nocturnal creatures like the bat and the owl to help guide us until our eyes adjust to the dark. One important thing to mention as we step into the final days, the dark moon days, is that this phase is dedicated to the crone. The crone is the wise woman, the keeper of secrets, but she's also old. She's lived through it all. She represents transformation, occult knowledge, and all the things that lie hidden in the dark. Exactly. I love thinking about the different phases as a manifestation of the triple goddess archetype. So in Greek mythology, an example of the triple goddess would be Artemis, Selene, and Hecate. So when Artemis is the waxing moon or the maiden, Selene the full moon or mother, and Hecate is the waning moon or the crone moon. Um, Kristen, I know that you do quite a bit of lunar gardening, and you kind of touched on that earlier, but I would love to hear a little bit more about how that contributes to your practice. Yeah, so lunar gardening or biodynamic gardening is something that I've only been seriously invested in for a little over a year now. I started doing some experiments with root vegetables like potatoes and onions and also some above-ground crops like beans and tomatoes. The process can be as complicated or simple as you'd like, but like anything that deals with astrology or the cosmos, it can take you down a rabbit hole if you let it. The short of it is, plant root crops when the moon is waning and above-ground crops when the light is waxing. The idea is that with waning moonlight, plants will focus on root growth, and when the light is waxing, plants will focus on external or above-ground growth. There's a lot more that goes into it as far as when to prune, when to harvest, and how planting beneath certain astrological signs can affect the yield, but even without getting that deep into it, it's easy to see that plants work with the moon in a way that's similar to us as humans. When the moon is waxing, we're visibly more active, and when the moon is waning, there's still a lot going on, but beneath the surface. Lunar gardening is just another way for me to work with the energies that our ancestors used long before we came around. And because growing your own food is so prevalent in the Azores, a lot of gardeners plant, prune, and harvest according to the moon phase, so I just try to follow their lead. How do you work with the lunar energies in your practice? I think that it's really allowed me to better connect with myself and my different ways of being. And I think that that's something I've worked through quite a bit. Um, Productivity equaling worth, which is really difficult, right? And kind of a trap. Um, But the moon can really kind of act as a guide through this. It's a different sort of love for stillness and a great reminder I remember being on a writing retreat in the woods outside of Knoxville just this fall and falling asleep when it first got dark around 9 or 10 p.m. And I woke up around 1 a.m. and the full moon was at its peak and the whole woods was different and changed. And it was just such a magical reminder of the moon's power. And in that moment, I felt so connected to my own inner wild woman archetype. And I think think that that's really how I see her as a wild woman or a woman who runs with the wolves. What does the moon symbolize to you? Like a goddess, a guide, 
That's such a good question, and I think my relationship to her is always evolving. I definitely see her as a guide. I like the idea that you've mentioned a few times in previous episodes about finding a lantern. Right now, she is my lantern, continually helping me find parts of myself that I'd lost in the dark. I hope that as more people start sharing their experiences with the moon, that it will become less taboo or pseudoscience and start being appreciated for what it is, a doorway, one that has proven scientific effects on the earth, and also one that, anytime we're lost, leads us back to ourselves. That was really beautiful. Before we end, can I share a moon poem that I brought from iconic word witch Annie Finch? I would love that. Amazing. Okay, it's called Moon from the Porch. Moon has dusks for walls, October's days for a floor, crickets for rooms, windy halls, only one night is her door. When I was 13, she found me, spiraled into my blood like a hive. I stood on a porch where she wound me, for the first time, tight and alive, till my body flooded to find her, to know I would not be alone, as I move through the tides that don't bind her into womanhood like a flung stone. With each curve that waxed into fullness, I grew to her, ready and wild. I filled myself up like her priestess. I emptied myself like her child. Flooding, ready, and certain, I hid her full, fallow, or frail. Beneath each long summer's rich curtain, it covered her face, the thin grail, that delivers me now, now I'm with her. All cast shadows come home. I stand in these shadows to kiss her. I spin in her cool, calming storm. Now, as I move through my own beauty, and my shadow grows deeper than blood. O triple, O goddess, sustain me with your light's simple opening hood. Thank you for that. That was so beautiful, and I can't think of a better way to end an episode dedicated to the moon. Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kristen Lizenby and Kate Ballou. You can find us online at Easton Alchemy and at K8Blue. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog magicandalchemy.com. Join us for next week's episode where we talk fairies and fae folklore. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mote it be, or something better. Until next time. <laughs>